Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Social media is a great mover for social justice when it's employed properly. So there's a lot of stuff you should care about. So make sure you also put that type of stuff on your feed too. Well, we've all been pushed around. Hello and welcome to It's Complicated with me, Tanya Goodin, the podcast to help you untangle your relationship with your phone. Cause we've all been pushed around. This is a podcast about learning to live healthily and happily with technology and the digital world and understanding why sometimes it's so hard to do. Because if we learn how to step away from our phones more, we'll be learning how to step in more to our lives, improving our relationships, our work and our health. I'm your host, Tanya Goodin, author and founder of digital wellbeing movement Time to Log Off. Each week I'll be asking a new guest what they've learned about the relationship with the tiny tyrant in their pocket, their smartphone. So when I was reading the list of achievements for my guest today, I think it was one of those watershed moments when you finally realise A, you're old and B, you've achieved absolutely nothing with your life. Because at the age of 23, Grace Beverly is running three multi-million pound fitness businesses. She's just been listed in the Forbes 30 Under 30. She actually won the NatWest Young Entrepreneur of the Year while she was a student at Oxford University. And doing all of that, I've just betrayed one of the kind of biggest wows about her, which is she did all of that while being a student. So I was really, really keen to chat to her to find out how on earth she's managed to achieve all of that at her age, where she gets all her energy from, and if she had any tips for the rest of us. I so enjoyed talking to her, and I think she's an absolutely fascinating woman with a lot to say, and I think you're really, really going to enjoy this chat. So hi, Grace. Lovely to chat to you. Thank you for having me. It's so good to have you on. I was just looking back at my previous list of guests, and I think you're the youngest guest I've had on the podcast. But also, I think I don't want to diss any of my previous guests, but 
possibly the most successful, uh, definitely <laughs> one one of the most successful. Wow, got so many accolades in one sentence. <laughs> So, I mean, I, I just, you know, I was kind of in awe when I was reading your list of achievements. You've set up three separate brands, a couple of digital businesses. You know, the whole premise of this podcast is really to look at our relationship with the digital world. And I kind of felt yeah. that you, almost more than anyone else I've been speaking to, really gets that because this has been your life for so long. So I wanted to know... How did it all start? When was the moment when you thought, actually, I can make a business out of this? I can make my life out of what I'm doing online? I think it was probably a few different stages because I think when you're on social media, you probably, there are such different types of businesses. As in, I would say I was a business, you know, even when I was just posting online and posting, you know, an output of content that is technically a business and you've got an audience and all of that. But I I definitely didn't think of it as one kind of more thought of it as a job without the business entity. But then I'd say it was probably even about six months to a year into my first business before I even thought, oh, okay, (laughs) this is a kind of direct-to-consumer brand in the same way as, you know, a lot of other businesses are online at the moment. So I think there are probably a few different stages of my kind of recognition of that but there have definitely been a few kind of different points down the way where I've thought, yeah, this is, you know, it's a, it's a way I can make a living. It's a way I can create a business, all of these various different kind of aspects of it. And you started with YouTube, didn't you? Or did you start with Instagram? What was the kind of, what was your first yeah. moment? You probably can't even remember, but what was your first kind of post when you thought, this I is me? It's so ridiculous. So I um, I started on Instagram and I started It was literally just because I wanted to get into fitness and I could never stick to anything. So I started up a secret Instagram page, spent three hours blocking like 400 people I knew. (laughs) Didn't do it under my name, didn't show my face until I had 10,000 followers. It was private for a while and it was kind of just so not (laughs) what it's become. Um, So I I definitely remember that. And then um, I probably about seven months later I changed it to be based on my name because I was like okay this is pretty clear now and then then I started I guess kind of growing it from there and I started YouTube a year or two later and I only started that because you couldn't upload more than 15 second videos on Instagram and I wanted videos so it wasn't even oh hey I want to do YouTube I didn't even watch YouTube I didn't really understand the entertainment that people got from it and so I think that's probably why when I started it was just so not what you would regularly watch on YouTube because it was just, you know, I'd upload a workout video and just be like, hey guys, here's a workout video. And then it would be the workout video and that would kind of be it. And so it was very much just, I didn't really understand the platform, but I was doing it out of necessity. So all of that would be hugely impressive without also adding in the fact that you did all of this while a student, (laughs) while getting a degree at Oxford. And I, I just don't know how you manage. How, you must have so much energy. How did you manage to juggle doing a degree and set? Did you have one or two businesses at Oxford? I couldn't work so, out from the timeline. We started the social media actually when I was working full time as an intern at IBM, and then I went to that was just the year before uni to earn some yeah. money for uni. Then I went to Oxford and I started. Well, actually, I probably start. I technically started the business before I went there, but I wouldn't have really called it a business. It was kind of one or two ebooks. Um, and then, then in my first year, 
I kind of properly launched the ebook business and then took it to physical products in the second year of uni, whilst also starting my second business, Tala, which launched... So BND was first? Yeah, essentially BND was first. Or Shreddy, which is which owns BND and which yeah. is kind of what became of the ebook business because now it's in mobile. But then I, yeah, then I launched Tala the month before my finals, which I feel like I get a lot of praise for it, but it's outright stupidity. So, <laughs> I mean, did, did you sleep? Because I remember my finals, you know, kind of up at 3 a.m. trying to cram before the first paper. I and I wasn't running a business then. Yeah, um, well, I'm actually probably the way I, I'm very regimented and I'm very clear about you know, well, actually, this is the first, my New Year's resolution this year was having weekends. So, but even before that point. Sorry, your New Year's resolution was to have weekends. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, (laughs) very funny. Um, I would fit the way I would, I kind of see the businesses as my spare time when I was at uni, because also it's quite widely known that it's not, you're not allowed to have a job while you're at Oxford. And so I kind of saw it very much as my spare time. And the way I saw it is, if I don't ever give them an excuse to think that I'm not putting my all in, then they can never complain. Yeah. And so, you know, I didn't hand in a, I don't think I handed in a single essay late until my last year when I started being like, oh, I'm actually not going to do that essay because that's not going to help me for my exams. And then they're pretty, at this stage, you know, they know you want to do well. So mm. they're kind of like, okay, <laughs> sure. Um, and so, so yeah, I was kind of very regimented with everything. But, you know, I mean, I had a quite a, you know, I made sure I had a good uni experience as well in terms of going out and everything. I was just very, um, I, I compartmentalise things well. And I feel like I've got some quite good systems for just fitting everything in. So have you always been like that? I mean, when you were at school, were you really driven and focused? Is this Has this sort of come out of nowhere to all your friends and family? Or are they all looking back saying, yes, we always knew Grace would do something like this because, you know, you've always been this type of... Well, my, I mean, my family has always joked that I'm going to buy them all houses. So I'm, I'm sure. That ah, so they have always known that. But it's kind of, I don't think I necessarily, I'm definitely not being focused. I actually have extremely bad focus, which is probably why I feel like I've actually realized that that's probably one of my assets in that, you know, I'm done is better than perfect in a lot of ways. And, you know, making sure I can delegate all of these various different things that actually add to that type of kind of success but I mean I was always very busy the schools I went to I had always had like scholarships which made a lot of they were and they were music based so I had to do a lot of music outside of my regular kind of school time so I've always been and I kind of did sports and stuff as well so it's always it's always very much just been like cram it all in do everything you want to do but also some things you like have to do like the music stuff at school although I loved music it was very much look you've got a scholarship this is this is what you have to do and so it I I feel like I am definitely quite disciplined in knowing what I have to do and just some stuff you don't want to do it but you have to get it over and done with yeah so how on earth do you manage to switch off I mean you you know you've just said your your resolution was to have weekends I guess with the whole coronavirus and you know everything that's happened in the last six months that's all been turned on its head has it or have you found it easier to switch off I've actually forced myself to still have weekends well you know I think my problem was that you know I came out of uni and I had these two businesses and I just went kind of all in I'd work on weekends and I'd work in evenings and I just 
that's just a recipe for burnout. And so I kind of forced myself to start having weekends because I think it was really affecting my kind of mental health as well, because any spare five minutes, I was like, oh, I'll just hop on my emails. It's just not good for you. Or anytime I'd be watching TV, I'd also be be working. And I'd just be like, (laughs) my friends would take the piss out of me a lot. I'd have this like chilled work, like, oh, I'm going to go do some chilled work. (laughs) (laughs) Which is completely different from other types of work. Yeah. Um, But that's, it's kind of because it's how I did it at uni. And because I'd be doing the uni work in the day. And then all the business work, which I do kind of all evening and into the early hours. And that was just how I fit things in. So I found it I feel like time is very much like liquid, like in terms of the amount of time, you know, Mm. if you're dedicated to working a certain amount of time, you're going to fill it. Like I find myself sometimes doing, it might be a really, really quiet day because I've delegated absolutely everything and I was super busy before. And so, you know, all cancellations come through and I find myself filling time always, which is something I'm really consciously trying not to do now it's not always a good thing but I mean in terms of switching off generally it's it's all about for me having those boundaries so I get to the end of the day and I've always found it very hard not to just keep doing things or being like oh I'll have dinner then I'll come back to this and now I go on a dog walk at the end of my day and after that point I'm banned I've got a work phone which gets locked away Uh, oh that's interesting so you've got two different phones have you yeah and that's that's very much changed changed my life yeah Uh, it's enabled me to switch off more than I ever could have imagined. Now, actually, my my personal phone broke the other day and I had to use my work phone for everything. And I was like, I actually, I think also because the business has grown so much even since I got, say, my work phone. But I was on it and I was like, how did I ever do this? How did I ever mm. relax or even, you know, switch off in any way, shape or form? So I feel like I've I've created some good boundaries now, which I absolutely did not have before. interesting because I've heard more and more people talking about going back to having separate phones we've kind of been through a wave where we all had separate phones I had a separate work and personal phone you know eight years ago and then everyone thought let's have one all together and of course we've realized there's a problem with that yeah Um, for me it was that loads of people suggested kind of getting dual sim which essentially two different numbers and I was like but that's not the problem yeah like the problem is me and my like concentration, what I spend my time on. So I'm much better off going, you know, having something that I can physically put away. And then it also helps to create boundaries because, you know, I've always wanted to work within my companies in a very friendly basis. I've wanted people to know that they can talk to me um, and it doesn't necessarily need to be to like their direct manager or whatever it might be. But it also fostered a kind of culture where it was very easy to contact me at all times. And because yeah, yeah. Work a lot I was then like great cool I'll deal with this now um and what it helps to do as well is that it you know you have to set those boundaries and work as well um and it enabled me to essentially say you know if you have to go out of my way to con- your way to contact my personal phone on the weekend or late at night or whatever it might be then it obviously makes people think twice um mm. it's really helpful for me too and understanding that that wasn't mean of me to do and that wasn't like me copping out from my business that was just a personal boundary that I needed to set was very important for me yeah talking about your team I've been really interested mm-hmm. reading your statistics that you've been posting online about diversity in your team and I'm, I'm really 
conscious of the fact that we're two white women talking here. But there's been such a lot of support for Black Lives Matter and representation and inclusivity. And I was really struck when I read your post, I think it was last week or the week before, where you were talking about the fact that 50% of your management team are people of colour, 50% of your hires in the past year have been women of colour. And the one that really leapt out at me was your hired models, 40% people of colour. The fitness industry is notoriously, I think... Not inclusive it has a bit of a reputation, I think, of of you know not being representative. So, is it something that's always been part of your vision? Is it always something that's been important to you? Yeah, I mean, I, I want to say first that like what I tried to make clear in those posts as well was it was very much so. There was this movement called Pull Up for Change that was started by an amazing woman who's the founder of Aroma Beauty in the US. It was essentially saying like you know it was. It was very rightly so calling out a lot of brands for posting their black squares, but actually not having anything, you know, even fine if they have it in their marketing, but then look at your teams, look at all of these different things. And what I also wanted to make clear was we're participating in that, but we're tiny teams. Like we're, you know, each company is, is not big. And so, you know, if I'm, if I'm saying, for example, at Shreddy, it was 50% of our management team at the time, then that was also, you know, that was four people. So two and two. And I think the really, really important is making sure that that is, you know, bigger organizations is where the difference can really be made Mm -hmm. here. And I I will, and you know, want to set the precedent. And I think there were definitely areas where we actually wanted to post for accountability as well, because there were certain areas where it was like, fine, these statistics look okay, because, you know, we're a small company, but actually, we need in terms of like people, it's not fine just being a percentage when it's that small, you need more input from different backgrounds and, and different and diversity and all of that. And I think it's always, always been in our, in our marketing and always within our company too. But as I said, because we're a small company, you know, when it was like two, three people, obviously the, like there were certain areas where we were like, oh, if you just look at this team, if it's two, three people, then the diversity is awful. And that's something we have to always, always look at and have since we started. Um, but we've made sure that especially in our marketing, it has always been the case. And I think, I think that's been one of the that was actually one of the original we when we started Tala specifically we did we did like nine posts on the grid to populate the feed when we publicized the account and one of them was we are inclusive and and we just wanted to make it very clear because the the fashion and especially the fitness industry are categorically awful when it comes to mm. time and i i remember working with brands and i have for a while now specified the I've asked to be, I've been asked to be on diversity panels before and I've said okay I'll accept once you can confirm that you've got at least 50% women of color on the um panel if it's like four or or people of color if it's if it's four people on the panel then I will not be on a panel with more than two white people or you know even at that point it's like a, it's a diversity panel like come on this is the one situation yeah well then you especially cannot make that exception and then I've had to pull out because they've said they can't even fulfill that and then you know there have been all of these various things where you know I make sure if it's a branded trip that there are that then it's going to be it's not going to just be all white people or and all of these various things and it was just so I, I mean it wouldn't have affected me at all and yet it was so clear to see how archaic a lot of these kind of views are and actually just the not seeing the importance of instating those values 
Um, and I think that that was one of the things that actually when we were conceptualizing Tala and writing down what do we want and what do we think is different within the industry, having worked with a lot of activewear brands before and had to literally say like, hey, guys, I'm actually, you know, you need to stop whitewashing your feed or you need to do whatever this is. And brands being like, oh, yeah, we'll look into that because because that's what people want now and being like, oh, no, probably not because that's what people want now, probably because that's the right thing to do. And mm. you never want someone to come on your page and think like, oh, I'm not welcome here. And that's what we wanted from the off. So we've made sure that in every shoot ever, there is always an equal distribution. And often we shoot with three people because we on our site, we have three different model sizes for all clothes. So that means that it obviously can't be 50-50 because it's three. But we've made sure that then we alternate from two and one to one and two and all of that if that kind of makes sense we've all, I feel like lots of people have then said you know at certain points being like oh but then if you're putting so much concentration on it then surely it takes away from the fact and actually the thing is is that these are systemic issues so yeah, you know, yeah. can fight them is by properly fighting them rather than being like oh we're doing our best if you're not doing your best you're not doing your best and doing your best in a systemic problem has to be consciously changing things so it's always been innately part of the brand and that's what we've tried to do but actually one of the most surprising things has been how much we were praised even from the off yeah so, I noticed you said that in one of your interviews you were really surprised that it yeah. was a big deal yeah and we never like the one time we said we are inclusive was at the beginning when we were setting out our brand values and that was important for us to be held accountable and to say who we were as a brand and then from that point forward we've never been like oh look at us all inclusive all diverse because we kind of you just that, take it as red yeah yeah it's that is exactly it's meant to be um it's meant to be kind of a guarantee a norm and you've got to make it like that but then the amount of people who've just been like wow like that's amazing that's incredible it's like it's really not incredible it's just everyone else really bad and so that's been something that we've tried to do well but also I think it's one of those things where I as a white person am then praised for that and then you look at the you know some black owned brands that have been doing that for however like it, it's just yeah I, th- I mean it's riddled with different layers but I think that you know we, we hopefully do our well we do do our best at all stages and where we haven't done our best we are always doing like looking to do better step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a grand slam title Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And you say, you know, when you're talking about 50% people of color when there's only four of you, that's not a big deal. But actually, you've got a million followers on Instagram. So you are very visibly making, you know, that inclusivity statement to all those people, you know, I, I kind of feel the fact that there's only four people actually, mm. you know, you're you're playing down the importance, actually, I think, or the impact. Sorry, that's the word I mean. You're playing down the impact of what you can And that's why we achieve. actually think whether to post because we were kind of like, is that even representative or is this something that we should you know be talking about when actually we'll probably get more praise for it than we possibly should because you know it's actually a small amount of people and then all of these things and then we were thinking like hey if I'm posting that then hopefully also all the brands I work with will start to think and you know we made a point of reaching out to all the brands we kind of work with and all of that and say hey this is what we'll now be looking for and kind of further to what I'd you know already done that's why we wanted to do it as we were kind of like okay even if there are certain areas we can do better or this has to be you know it says nothing until we actually carry this out for you know as we grow the business we realized that it was actually something important to talk about regardless. So talking about kind of the impact of what you do and reactions to what you do, I'm really interested in your personal experience of being a woman online. I mean, every woman I interview says they've had bad experiences, trolling, stalking. I've been reading, actually, I was reading, I think, a tweet you posted only about an hour ago today where you were urging people on Twitter not to kind of to think before they engaged and not be so argumentative all the time. And then there was something else I saw on Instagram where you, you'd taken your dog out in the sun and you said, oh, before anyone has a go, I was yeah. very careful about the dog in the heat. And I thought, gosh, there's so much you have to think all the time. Disclaimers are usually for my kind of my, I think the thing is, is that I'm very, very conscious of all of these things. And I actually, knowing that I'm actually, you know, really quite liberal in my views and I actually always think of things in a sort of, debated way as in you know I'd probably be a great PR manager (laughs) the fact that you know I I have always thought of things in all different before I put a tweet out or before I put something out you know I've always thought hey could this could this be offensive yeah it'll be offensive yeah and when people choose to argue with me it's like really (laughs) like I feel like a lot of the time people and that's not me being like oh because I'm always right it's because it's genuinely if there's something I've then got wrong, I'll be very happy to discuss it because the way I see it is not a kind of calling out or, you know, that there are certain things that should absolutely absolutely be called out, but usually I'll have got them before, you know, they ever 
fester in kind of my brain. And so it's kind of, usually for me then it's like, but you know how, even just how like, even if you want to put it this way, like how PC I am. So when you're arguing with me, please assume that I have given as much thought as possible. If not, and if I am being ignorant or if I am being whatever it might be, then I will change my view and I will have an adult discussion with you and like and be like great cool let's move on I've learned let's move forward and I think that what is often the problem then is it's very much based on the kind of it's wanting to catch people out and it's been like okay but I've made it very very happy to discuss anything here so as long as I'm not being problematic and like bigoted then in which case completely call me out like if I'm racist or whatever it might be then go ahead but I think when it's people looking for things in in smaller issues and it's like no you're just you're trying to be you're committed to misunderstanding me at this stage because if you say hey I like to clarify do you mean this then let's have like let's have a conversation about it I love conversation I love talking about difficult things because I don't really have anything to hide but I think the thing is with social media is it's often people want to misunderstand people yeah there are people just spoiling for fights I think particularly on Twitter aren't there it's not about logic it's not about actually thinking through an argument they just want to get a reaction yeah and Um, I'm and I'm like I'll, I'll happily sit here and have a discussion with you like I would with anyone so let's have a discussion let's not you know make this about like he he said she said I'm gonna have an argument with you like I'm in the school playground or just because uh-huh. I want to let's address this like adults who have brains please <laughs> so have you had any bad experiences that have made you think oh you know why am I doing this I just don't want to I don't want to get involved um, the more I've been on social media the more I've just realized that my I think I was so I think for example, like the thing I tweeted today being like, you can tell this tweet is not problematic if you read it, how it was yeah, yeah. Like, like, as in, it was very clearly a conceptual tweet as in yeah. <laughs> probably people are going to be listening and being like, God, what does she tweet? What was the tweet about? Yeah. It was about the way the economy worked, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 And I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. So I read the thread and I thought, I can't understand what the problem with this is. <laughs> yesterday and I was thinking like god there are really people who are really at the top of their fields and there are people that are at the top of fields that never existed 10 years ago and then I was thinking like god isn't it crazy that we're all like we all have different specialisms yeah and we all come together yeah we all come together in this one big like capitalist wheel and then I kind of tweeted it and people were like everyone doesn't have jobs and I'm like oh yes <laughs> I, I'm fully I was talking about like division of labor like it wasn't really yeah, wasn't yeah. Really, old Adam Smith back in the day like this wasn't my um economic kind of discovery here but what I was then it was more just like a god isn't that weird when you really think about it and then people being like you know read the room not everyone has a job and being like okay well I was I was talking about labor and they were being like well yeah labor not everyone's in labor I was like yeah but if you're in the labor force that's literally how employment statistics work Mm -hmm. as in unemployed you're still in the labor force because and, and so I was kind of just like interesting (laughs) um and then and so I think with things like that it's kind of I used to be very much like oh I'll just delete the tweet because I never want people to see me as someone who wouldn't think about those things but then actually I've got quite a lot of confidence in like and kind of conviction in who I am and what I believe and that I am a good person that I think of all of these different things and therefore that I have nothing to hide as in about a lot of kind of difficult things to talk about. If I, if I kind of go on the PR 
side and just don't want to talk about anything because I don't want to get it wrong that I haven't thought about it enough and I haven't read about it enough and I haven't educated myself on it enough so like let's talk about it and then we can discuss these things as humans whereas I think a lot of the time things have got very kind of like there's a kind of dichotomy between right and wrong and you're either on one side or the other and you have Mm -hmm. to make which one you're on and I'm like well then I just won't say anything and that's not no fun at all is it so um let's learn to all coexist and and also let's invite discussion without kind of just invite without it just descending into us all shouting at each other yeah and then it's like no one was really that argumentative like and I don't think it really got out of control it's like well if no one was argumentative then we wouldn't still be here arguing about whether it was argumentative or not (laughs) surely not surely like surely you haven't come back to say that um but but I think that I've on the whole actually been incredibly lucky with my experiences and I think that you know I've had a largely I've never been in kind of tabloid culture you know I've never been on reality tv or anything like that that kind of often puts you in that position so I've been very lucky to have kind of people find me who are probably in this kind of echo chamber of people going to find me and therefore of course there are people who are committed to misunderstanding me or who just don't like me like which is absolutely fine like I'm not put on this earth for anyone else to like me and so I think that actually you know I've been very very lucky in all of those different ways and of course, there's been trolling. I mean, I'm probably I'm sure if I probably looked in my DMs now, there would be various different things about kind of appearance, what I've chosen to do with my career, how legitimate. I was going to ask you about that, actually, the appearance thing. I wonder if, and, and reading through some of your interviews and posts, do you think it's harder than it was, you know, to be a woman in business than it was, say, 20 or 30 years ago because of that visibility? I mean, women, women in business have always had their appearance criticised, yeah. but they've not been as visible as they are now. Where, yeah, potentially you know. the visibility is something, and I think it also means that because of the the difference in the visibility between now and then, it's also seen as impossible. So, I, as in, I've also obviously had a lot of questions about kind of legitimacy and oh, isn't it other people who actually do this yeah. behind? and like you're just the face of the business and it's like okay but I mean you can see my education background you can see what I've done with this what's different as well is I'll speak about this in this way now whereas probably about even six months ago I would have kind of conceded that and said yeah well obviously you know I've been I've been so lucky and all of these various things and I have a hundred percent I've been incredibly privileged and lucky in so many different ways but what I'm trying to get more confident about is actually understanding what can what does back me up in my legitimacy and not let imposter syndrome speak when people who also have kind of imposter syndrome about me or doubts about me and my legitimacy and kind of enforcing those views. So I've tried to be quite committed now to being able to back myself because I think especially as women, you know, when it comes to things like money and shouting about our own success, it's, it still doesn't happen enough. It still doesn't happen. It feels actually like physically painful doing it. Yeah, I actually read some really depressing research the other day that the more men become successful and talk about their success, the more likable they are. And the more women become successful and talk about their success, the more disliked they are. Well, exactly. And it's actually quite funny because I think that, you know, my business, what's what's great is that my business isn't necessarily affected by that. And yet, for example, like my content on social media, the more 
I mean, actually, I've been incredibly lucky. Like my most liked photos ever are kind of like my Oxford graduation, my Forbes thing, you know, like various different things. that I've been very lucky to have people actually support the life side of things rather than just kind of the looks and all of that. But I mean, it goes without saying this, the most liked stuff is always still, you know, very based on kind of looks. And and so I think that it is very much a... I don't know. I feel like it, it's hard to push myself in that direction to be talking more about these types of things because yeah. I know that it decreases my likability. But then I'm kind of like, you know, and you notice it in yourself as well. You notice when you hear women speaking about their success, you're kind of like, oh, she sounds very full of herself. Yes. Yeah. Oh, hey, she's probably trying to sound full of herself, right? Yeah, she's propping herself up, isn't she? Yeah. Internally, I always think that. Yeah. Doing that for herself, which is like where I am now. And kind of being like, right, well, I'm just going to talk about it. And I've actually realised that even if people potentially like me less, you know, I get more work and more recognition. So not here to be liked. I hope at least that more of my kind of normal posting stuff, you know, still posting regardless of what I'm doing. So it's not just saying like, I am a businesswoman. I do this. Um, I think a lot of when I was doing that, it was for my own validation and for my mm. own thing that that's what I did. Um so I think, yeah, I think I've kind of come into my own a bit more with all of that. Um, I, I think you should keep keep on doing exactly what you're doing, Grace, because I think your your message that you can be a successful entrepreneur, an incredibly successful female entrepreneur, and still look great, be a young woman out having fun with your friends, mm-hmm. having a normal life. You know, I think that's a very strong message, actually, to give to other women and girls. Thank you. That means a lot. I'm, I'm, I feel I'm actually consciously trying now. I think I went through a big, like a kind of middle stage of being like, either maybe I'll go behind the scenes a bit more. So my legitimacy is kind of people know I'm legitimate because I'm doing it all in silence. And then I went through a kind of like, oh, well, maybe I'll just like be at the forefront, but I'll act as an influencer. So people don't kind of, you know, that that success and dislike thing um and now I'm just kind of being like hey like what's wrong with me literally just a posting what I want to post being want to be putting out silly tweets and it not going against the fact that I know business (laughs) you know being able to just be a human being and I think that it's probably quite my my like duty and anyone in my position's duty to be enforcing those quite uncomfortable realities and just being like hey you can be this and this and you'll probably see me as one when you see one post uh, post and then as a different one when you see another post but at least you're seeing both those two things but I think we need to stop being so concerned that people aren't going to take us seriously for being especially for being women who live our lives Mm. and you know like all of these various different aspects that come into that yeah I think there's going to be a lot of young girls as I said looking at you and being very inspired by that that would make me very happy So I don't want to take up any more of your time because you are running multi-million pound businesses <laughs> um, and you need to get back to them uh, before you have your break for the evening. But there are three questions that I ask everyone at the end of the podcast. So I just want to end up with those. So, you know, we are we are a podcast about tech habits. We've talked a lot about your relationship with the digital world. I was wondering if there was if there was one message 
that you'd like to get over to everyone listening about their kind of tech or digital or phone or social media habits about their relationship with the digital world? Well, my one I kind of mentioned before, if you have a really busy job and you work on WhatsApp, get two phones. <laughs> yeah, I've got <laughs> so such a good one. Because I think that actually, if you're not working on something like Slack and you are using WhatsApp, which we do, then you're never going to be able to fully live your life. But also, I feel like it is important to say that, you know, there is an element of not balance at some point, And that is fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're often shamed into this idea of kind of balance and self-care when actually sometimes the best form of self-care is like being productive you know your career at that time or whatever you and like not to be shamed into that sorry slight side note no, um, I agree with you I agree with you yeah. yeah and then I'd say my other one is just make sure you're not following people that don't make you feel good about yourself and that is not I think that's quite a classic one but obviously don't follow people who make you feel bad about you know how you look or what you're doing with your life but also don't follow people you dislike (laughs) because that's gonna make you angry it's the same with like you know if people dislike me I just really it's best for both of us if you just don't follow me it's you know I, I everyone is a person and no one was put here for you to like them or them to like you so just move away from that and get that kind of peace back and that control over what you are seeing follow people who do what you do follow people who like what you like and I think one other thing I just say is care about what matters and look out for social causes as well because you know there I mean I think a lot of social media is taken up by things like fast fashion and other things that are ruining the world and social media is a great mover for social justice when it's employed properly so there's a lot of stuff you should care about so make sure you also put that type of stuff on your feed too yeah and we've seen exactly that haven't we in the last few weeks with black yeah. lives matter and we saw that with me too yeah um fantastic yeah completely agree with you about that okay final question what have you learned about yourself from your relationship with tech and digital over the last in your in your so far short life so far grace (laughs) over the last three years four years any period since you've been you know since your first post on instagram what do you think you've learned about yourself oh god i probably learned that i actually like tech a lot less than i think i do um um, interesting i didn't expect you to say that (laughs) yeah well no i just i just think that Yeah, I think it's very much kind of like, I think that you grow up and you develop these habits. And one of the ones that me and my generation grew up and developed was very much about kind of, you know, the way you use social media and all of these various different things. And we weren't necessarily given the, or, you know, we were given it, but we didn't necessarily have the opportunity to decide that that wasn't how we wanted to spend our time or whatever. It's a very like culture-based thing. And I think that growing up and being like, oh, well, I actually don't need to use my phone in that way or I don't need to follow that or do that or whatever. And learning that has, or kind of unlearning a lot of things, has been very helpful for me. Mm. Kind of fits with your overall philosophy, doesn't it? That actually you don't have to follow a particular path. You can carve out your own path and your own way of doing it, your own way of using it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Grace, thank you so much. I have absolutely loved our chat. I've taken up far too much of your time because actually I could have carried on talking to you for at least another half an hour. Um, (laughs) Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. It's been lovely to speak. Yeah, it's been absolutely brilliant.
Thank you for listening to this episode of It's Complicated. If you haven't already, please do subscribe, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. It helps other people find us and it means you get a helpful little notification when a new episode becomes available. For more about getting a healthy balance with tech, you can follow me, Tanya Goodin, or Time to Log Off on Instagram and Twitter. And both my books, Off and Stop Staring at Screens, are available on Amazon and at all good bookshops. Finally, for more information about this and other episodes in the podcast series, visit itstimetologoff.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.